Oh, hello. Look at you tuning into this podcast again. I hope you had a great holiday and welcome to the year 2022. My name is Terry and this is the fourth year in a row that I've been running this podcast now. Actually, I just ran the stats and last year this podcast got 65,523 listens which is insane to me. I just started this podcast with the intention of making a few connections in the industry and learning some hot tips on how to further my career. And I'm just both surprised and so proud of how much it's grown since then. I hope you get so much value out of these episodes and it really helps you in your animation journey as well. So thank you for tuning in and I am so glad you are here. This chat is with a super friend of mine. His name is Bill Allenson, and he is also an amazing stop motion animator. In our chat, he's going to share how he survived as an independent animator in Toronto, what he's learned about self-promotion to get new gigs, and his plans to create an original web series, build an audience for it, and then sell it. But first, this episode is sponsored by Hue, makers of colorful, affordable USB cameras and animation software for creative teaching, work, and play. Available from HueHD.com and Amazon, the new HueHD Pro camera features 1080p image and video resolution, a built-in microphone, and LED lights. Their funky, flexible plug-and-play cameras are easy to use, and they are compatible with any apps that recognize USB cameras, including Discord, DragonFrame, OBS, Twitch, Google Meet, Zoom, and many more. Visit HueHD.com for more information and follow at Hue Cameras on Instagram or Twitter for news, freebies, and giveaways. And make sure you check out those links in the description of this chat. And now, without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Bill. Uh, what did you have for lunch today? I don't know. What's up? How are you? <laughs> what did I have for lunch? Did I have lunch today? I had some, I had some uh, oatmeal this morning, some nice oatmeal. And then you haven't eaten anything. It's like seven o'clock PM. I had some, I had some, well, I got some spicy Doritos here, but I, then I realized that being on a podcast and eating Doritos is probably the worst thing I could do. So am I revealing like your poor eating habits? You had oatmeal for <laughs> breakfast and then spicy Doritos before you go to bed. And that's it. <laughs> I'm usually pretty good. Today was a different day, but uh, you were just I, nervous about coming on this podcast. And I understand. I, you you frightened me. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm kidding. I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have a very balanced uh, stir fry meal after this podcast. Excellent. I'm. Uh, I'm excited for the stir fry that you're gonna have. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. All about well, how are you? Thank you for coming on the podcast. I. I feel like I'm. I. Uh, you know, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, and also, also like we work together, so like I'm excited, and I feel like I already know everything, but like I want you to rehash everything for people who don't know. So. Yeah. What do you consider yourself like as a, for a career? Like, what do you, what do you call yourself? What do you consider yourself? I've gone through many phases, you know, I'm, I'm an animator. Um, I've, I've, I've latched onto animation now. It's been a while. I would consider myself more. It's funny. I'm an experimental animator, but I have, uh, I have a draw to the narrative always. I love writing. I love writing stories. Uh, I love creating characters, but I love executing it in, in all the strange wild ways I can imagine, you know? So why, so like, you, you know, you studied film, you just said you love writing. Why does animation fulfill this career or this, you know, why is animation fulfillment for you specifically? Who, who knows why something feels comfortable? Why, why we connect to something animation, you know, I, I grew up with as a, as a child born in the 80s, um, you know, uh, Will Vinton, 
was everywhere. California raisins. I still have all my little California raisins characters from when I was little. Stop motion and claymation was always just, it was kind of what was on TV. Um, ABC Saturday morning cartoons was like, was it, you know, I learned how to program my VCR by myself when I was, I think six, so I could get up early and tape all my, um, my animated programs. And they had little bumpers in between all the shows. I was like, after these messages, we'll be right back. And it would be little claymation character. Do you remember those? Yeah, of course. And even that yeah, tune, yeah. like I was singing it along in my mind with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, that just stuck and it just made sense. And filmmaking always made sense and everything. The, all those things made sense. And um, there was never uh, so much a plan B as well. If I don't make it in the arts, then, you know, back to the back to the farm I go. Which, so you, so no shame in so, that. So you grew up on a farm. Yeah, no, I did not grow up on a farm, literally. But, <laughs> but okay, so but like from a young age, you're like, I just want to do this cool, funky thing, and that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I always wanted to. It wasn't even a decision. I just started doing it. I just always made little animations when I was little. Um, you know, I was watching, uh, movies that were wildly inappropriate for, uh, a young child. Um, since I was, since I was a wee tot, my, uh, you know, my, this isn't, this isn't a violin, but my folks got, you know, divorced when I was really young and, um, you know, who knows what's born out of that. For me, it gave me an opportunity usually to say, you know, mom said I could see this movie and then <laughs> mom said I could see this X-rated movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, and then bachelor dad's just like, all right, cover your eyes, son. And I'm, and I'm doing one of these being like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hilarious. I don't, so, I don't know. Uh, I, 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 um, it's hard to intellectualize. I just kind of yeah. with the flow kind of maybe thing. after this podcast, you can go on like a little retreat and like, you know, find, find yourself and the reasons why I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, but okay. So like at some point you had to say, I want to live on my own. I need income. Um, and animation is my thing. I start need to, I need to start making money. Like tell me about that turning point for you and how, cause a, a big point that I think is really interesting is you called yourself an experimental animator. And I've never chatted in all of my chats. I've never chatted with somebody who considers themselves an experimental animator. You know, you're, you're a stop motion animator, you're a 2d animator, you're a storyboard artist. But like, I think it's super interesting that you said that. So relate that to me to when you first uh, started getting client work enough to support yourself as an adult, I guess. Yeah. I mean um, it's, it's always still, give and take, you know, there are still times I've, I've never been afraid to take out the garbage if I have to, you know, I've, I've worked as a server many years. I've worked every rando job under the sun. Um, I worked in television for a long time, it has nothing to do with animation. That was kind of more as I was really discovering that I was kind of really into choosing animation. I worked in TV and um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, Sorry, what was the initial question? At what point did you decide to pursue animation in a full-time enough sense to make a living off of it? Oh, yeah. Well, or maybe the answer is actually that you take odd jobs in between, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate now that uh, the tectonic plates of life have shifted in a way that I'm getting good, solid work as an animator now. And it's amazing. Nice. And oh my God, I'm so thankful for it. Um, you know, uh, I just always decided that I was just going to keep doing it regardless. Um, 
And, uh, you know, in terms of funding, in terms of that kind of stuff, I, I wouldn't have one film to my name if I sat and waited for funding all the time, because oftentimes a lot of the projects that I was trying to execute um, didn't fall under, you know, the right category or, or I just didn't know how to articulate a weird idea in the pitch, you know, yeah. um, you know, I just kind of was the driving force was that I'm just going to get the movie made and you got to do whatever you got to do to get that movie made sometimes. So you just said the tectonic plates have shifted recently. Um, is this like a state you've been trying to get, you've been working towards where you can work full-time in animation? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. 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 I decided, I think it's when I, I don't, it, you know, I think sometimes it can be as simple as you just have to really decide what exactly you want. And for me, I decided I had to really focus and I said, okay, well, what do you, what do you want? And I said to myself, I want to, I want to get paid to animate. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be my own work. You know, we're always working toward that, but um, I just want to get paid to animate in general. That's a fun job. That's something I want to do all the time. Yeah. And um, you know, I don't know with enough willpower with enough focus with enough uh you know vision boarding or whatever you got to do you know which i which i totally don't write off i totally believe in all that kind of stuff um uh things will just fall in your lap sometimes and um you know my story to where i am now is one of loving what i do being yeah. grateful for everything comes my way um being genuinely excited to meet other animators and just kind of like just just having blinders on to that end result, I think. So how long did it take to get to this state, do you think? Um, so 2021, you know, probably like six, seven years, maybe. Wow. So what kept you going, you know, like six, seven years is a long time to say, to actively say, I'm working towards you know, a state where I can get paid full time or to support myself through stop motion, stop motion specifically, or just any animation stop motion specifically. So absolutely. stop motion specifically and like claymation. Cause you're, you like, I feel like you've done, you do any kind of stop motion, like claymation, like everything. Like I just love, you know, I saw that music video of yours recently and I, I was just like blown away by some of the cool special effects that you did that I've never seen before. So, okay. What keeps you going for seven years, like toiling in the fields, trying to get to this state? Like, are you just like, it's going to happen. I'm chill. Or are you like, you know, like I'm somebody who's very intense. I'd be like mad trying everything I can do every like week. <laughs> I mean, it's a combo of both things. Trying, trying everything you can pitching everywhere trying contests um and then just sometimes like you know um uh, uh one film of my new math that i did it it took a year to do it took uh you know another six months of pre-production it took another six months on the tail end of like getting it in front of people's eyes and stuff like that so you know we're we're looking at you know a little over two years or so at that point so that's that's where seven years goes i think yeah uh, i don't i just uh it's, it, you know, maybe it's a quiet confidence. Maybe it's stupidity that I, it's just kind of like, um, I don't really worry so much about like, oh God, I'm, I'm getting old. Like the white picket fence idea that went out, that went out the window a long time ago. That's not, oh, no. no, I mean, it could still come into the window. It so, could come in the window for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's not in my vision board at the moment though. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you had everything 
I, I can you just describe your living situation because I think it's really cool. It's like a studio, stop motion, living yeah. space. Like, and also I want to like know what's in your setup because everything you were doing prior to taking on Studio Buddies, I assume, was like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, your own productions, yep, and yep, your own my, equipment and everything. Largely my own stuff, my own equipment. You know, I would do uh, a corporate commercial every now and then. I would do like some TV bumpers or. Um, um yeah some little rinky dink things every once in a while um i uh now i'm living in um a warehouse um and it's not i think i'm the only person that lives here it's weird what do you mean <laughs> there's yeah. like you look over and somebody else is on the couch and you're like i, I mean like in this in this in this unit i live here i i my my girlfriend lives here with me but um but in the building itself, um, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that lives here. I hear things late at night. Sometimes it might be haunted. I have no idea. But but there's people that come and go. I, I'm surrounded by photography studios and random um, uh, job placement companies. And there's a flower studio down the hall and stuff like that. That was just a result of, you know, I was um, I was living in a nice one bedroom apartment. And when I would make a film in the apartment, I had a decision to make where it was like okay well you can either live in the apartment right now or you can make a film in the apartment and you know when I was making a film it meant that I was stepping over just all the debris of corks and shavings off of you know whatever material I was working with that day and it was a it was a war zone and it just got to the point where I was like okay I gotta I gotta figure something out and studio space was becoming increasingly um you know expensive in Toronto where I'm I'm in Etobicoke right now but in in, in the GTA uh, and it was just one of those, another one of those things. My instinct was screaming at me that I had to figure something out. And lo and behold, on Kijiji, they were advertising. Who was it advertised? It was advertised as awesome, awesome artist workspace. And I was You're like, like cool. that's me. I was like, I'm an awesome <laughs> artist. Let's do this. And I came in and I looked at the unit and it was great. And I saw that it's the only unit in here that has a kitchen and a, and a bathroom. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I think this was the lunchroom of whatever this building used to be. Because this place was like, I, I think they let me move in too early too. Like it was, it was, uh, there were holes in the ceiling and stuff like that. Like it was, it was pretty gnarly when I first how moved. How big is this warehouse space you're living in now? Like, is it huge? Square footage is hard to say. It's not huge. It's, it's, it's spacious for a couple people. Um, but it's not humongous. A square footage escapes me all the time. So I have no real concept of. Sure. Like an average, probably like Toronto one bedroom is like, I don't know, they're kind of small, probably like six, 700 square feet. Okay. So then this is probably, it's kind of like one big room with like a dog leg to it. So it's probably like, I don't know, 14. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, Twice as big. Nice. I'm ball, I'm ball it. Can, I need to find a place like that for my own stop motion stuff. Cause as you're saying, I'm like, yeah, every time I get a project, my bedroom turns into a studio and then it's like where do I do anything else where right, do I sleep exactly. no I know I know and at that time in my life too like I I could get away with that kind of stuff I could like just literally live in a war zone like the walls could be on fire and I'd be like oh well like yeah that's fine whatever open on fire when I come home yeah so okay so you told me you know you were getting some spots and commercials like how are you picking these things up because like you don't have a website right now like I know that you're on like some sites like like you know listed as a director filmmaker stuff are they coming from that do you have an agent are you just constantly bidding on whatever you see like i'm i'm bidding um 
I'm, I'm pretty diligent on keeping my reel updated and on the only reason I don't have a website, I've had a website that's come and gone a couple of times. And I just, I, I questioned if at the time it was worth the money only because even though websites are cheap right now, maybe it's me just like upkeeping them. Um, as new work would come in, you know, I would, I would always just put it on my reel and then I would put it on Instagram or I'd put it on Vimeo or, and I found that I was getting a lot of traction from that. Mainly gotcha. Instagram. I've, a lot of people have viewed work on Instagram via um, just strategizing with maybe where you submit your work and getting lucky in a couple of the right spots and getting more views. And what do you mean? Where do you, sum- where you submit your work like on okay. Instagram? So I did this movie um, new math a couple years ago and pretty experimental, pretty weird. Yeah. And, it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, there was this, uh, there, it still is. It's a fairly popular page called love Watts. And I submitted to him just cause he's a curator of crazy art from all over. And, and he wrote me back and he liked the work and said, send me a one minute clip of your film and I'll, and I'll put it online on my page. Hmm. And, and it got a lot of views. This I think the guy is like 2 million something followers. And, um, and it was weird. It was like, it was my little tiny micro glimmer into what it's like to like, you know, not be a celebrity by any means, but have a lot of eyeballs on your work all of a sudden. And it was crazy. I would, every time I'd refresh, there would be, you know, 1500 new views on the thing. And it was really cool. It was, uh, it was exciting. And a lot of people reached out to me from that and oh, wow. messages and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And I got a lot of cool work from that. Um, when I, every time I update my LinkedIn, I find that. So, okay. So you specifically said, Hey, I, I just spent like two years on this project. I'm going to like market the heck out of it. And so part of that strategy was finding curators of content on social media and just yeah. reach and just sending them an email and saying like, Hey, would you like to repost my content? Absolutely that. Yeah. And, yeah. and like how many people ended up doing this just as one guy or like a whole bunch of people or like, I think like two or three out of probably like, like 60 people that I wrote 60 to. people. Oh my goodness. I thought Something you were going like to say that. like five, two or three out of five. No <laughs> swinging. For so the do you, do you just have a list of like people to go through every time you yeah, I mean, uh, on the next project I, I do, um, uh, it'll probably be a new list of people that I research over, you know, a month or so, just yeah. kind of seeing what's out there. And is, is Instagram the only place you do this? Or do you try to do this like with internet magazines or like Reddit or like Twitter or like just everything? Reddit for sure. Internet magazines, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then just, you know, reaching out to different studios all the time and uh yeah just trying to sorry i'm just curious what do you mean reaching out to studios like what what do you mean like hey i'm an independent claymation stop motion guy if you ever have work in that realm contact me here's my demo yeah or hey do you want to buy this movie and show it somewhere (laughs) oh really what yeah sometimes you know what do you mean buy this movie and show it somewhere so you make a movie yeah i sold a movie in japan okay tell me tell me about this this is yeah i don't remember the name of the place it's been so long since <laughs> you go to Japan? No, no, I didn't go to Japan. It was uh Kids Network bought this other movie I did called Dad Fight. Um and uh and the 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 only thing I 
regret is not asking them if I could have the copy of the movie back after they, I think they went in and redubbed the voices of the characters and stuff like that. Oh no. I would I would have loved, no, not that's not bad. I want to hear the Japanese. Yeah, it would probably be amazing, but, but like, I want to, okay. So hello, Japan. Hey, Japan. No. Um, like, how did, what do you mean? You just sold a movie. Like, yeah. tell me I'm yeah. interested. I want to sell my movies. <laughs> yeah. My, my producer at the time, um how did he get in touch with them i i would have to ask him he he cast a pretty wide net and i think he was looking at studios all over the world and there was this one studio in japan um damn i didn't know i was going to talk about this otherwise i would it's fine it's fine it's fine had the but, studio on hand yeah yeah how do you even get a producer in the first place like i don't have a producer like i like making content is that like something i should look into myself like well so here's the thing so i went to film school um and maybe this is maybe this is the, the bigger message of things is the old it's not it's not necessarily fake it till you make it well and that is a, a brilliant concept that works um well, you know, when I say producer, that's a great title, producer. It sounds very official, doesn't it? Yeah, this was a guy that I went to film school with. Okay, my friend. My, my buddy, <laughs> yeah. But he was my producer, so therefore you say, you know, my well, you had to You had to, like, make some kind of deal with him to say, like, you know, if you sell this somewhere, you get X percent, blah, blah, blah. No, like, or is it just like, hey, buddy, like, here's a film I made have do what you want with it and if you can sell it like just yeah like me, nowadays me a beer. We, were, we were pretty we were pretty uh solid as it not we didn't have any falling out or anything you know we just life takes you in different directions yeah and and he was a champion of getting things in front of people's eyes and um in terms of money there wasn't a lot of money i think we sold it for like a couple grand or something which is great um i know i'd love i'd love it hey. <laughs> i'll take in. i'll take a couple grand for something i make for free <laughs> i know right yeah exactly um yeah so um yeah in terms of um you know just getting it in front of people's eyes uh, the thing with new math when i submitted it to love watts it was a new strategy where i um decided i didn't really want to submit it to too many film festivals mm because I found that I was spending a lot of money submitting to film festivals. Oh yeah. They all cost money. They cost money and they're, and they're great for what they are. But um, you know, I just thought that there would be greater value in having something seen. I only ever want the work to get seen. I don't really care. The laurels are, are great, obviously, but often we're not talking about getting into Sundance or, yeah. you know, you're getting into like small festival in XYZ town in whatever country. Yeah. And those are great festivals because oftentimes, and I've been in a lot of smaller festivals and they're great because the community usually comes out and, and um, sometimes it can be much more present um, than say, if you're in a larger festival where, you know, a lot of the time the audience is made up largely of friends and family of the filmmakers whose films are in them, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah uh, awesome. I just wanted, I just wanted to maximize instead of a room of 200 people, I wanted my film to be seen by as many people as possible. So when you were uh, before this year, because I want to talk about this year too, how often were you doing projects between other, uh, like other work? Like you were doing like one or two things a year or you'd have like a year break? Like, um, I, I worked um, as often as there was a, a, an idea that captured my, not my attention, but I felt was something I could really commit to. 
um, I always have a, a list of ideas that I, that I like and want to do. And they just kind of get pushed down the, the ladder until I look at an idea and it's 10 years old. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do something new. Um, uh, yeah, I usually find something that, you know, I find I, I, to really keep me focused, the idea has to, usually the ideas that I love the most are the ones that just kind of like come to you in a lightning bolt instead of something that you've labored over too much. I find totally. that, yeah. you know, um, um, yeah. And then how often I'm doing them. Yeah. As often as I can, I, I had taken a year or so off a couple times, I think just because, and they weren't, and it wasn't pleasant. Like I was racking my brain being like, what am I going to do? What's the thing? What feels right after you, sometimes after you spend a year and a half doing a film, you don't want to do the same thing immediately afterwards. And you, you, um, don't necessarily want to spend a year doing the next thing only to have maybe the same outcome. Yeah. You know, so oftentimes I'm thinking in terms of, uh, the business aspect of it, like, and, and the types of stories I want to tell, I want to tell something, uh, longer format, um, something you can sell really is I want to sell the work usually. Nice. So are you, your strategy is to make it first in a way that you find is exciting and enjoyable and then find somebody to buy it afterwards versus yeah. pitch it all up front, wait for somebody to send, give you the money and then start making it. Uh, no, always just make it always just find a way to make it always. <laughs> yeah. Why not? The, the outcome, if the outcome is just to make it, then just start with making it, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so what changed with you in 2020? I mean, I know, but like what changed with you in 2021 where you could pursue stop motion specifically a little bit more full time? Yeah, well, it actually happened in 2020 hmm. uh, where I got I got the I got an email from my my friend Evan Durushti, who we all know very well. And uh, he, for those that don't know him, he's a uh, he's a pillar in the animation community specifically the stop motion community in toronto he's a patron saint he's like helped so many people the patron saint of toronto stop motion <laughs> absolutely I, I can't say enough good things about evan and phil edels too um you know a friend and colleague of his and and ours uh two super awesome guys that um have their company stop motion department i know you've had other people on the show talking about those guys and about yeah. their company and everything they're just really awesome and they they really have championed uh the art of stop motion in Toronto. And um, I um, became a member of the Toronto Animated Image Society years and years and years ago, uh, otherwise known as Teus. And I met Evan there um, just kind of when I first joined up, um, just kind of wide-eyed, having no idea what it was and what was going on. It was at a screening and um, there was a little barbecue before and I was just kind of being a keener and going and talking to everyone, just seeing what's up. And yeah, I met Evan. He was a, a great guy. And then uh, um, just kind of stayed in touch with him over the years. If I had a question about a pitch I was doing, because I, I still do do pitches and grants and stuff like that. Um, uh, and I would go and I would visit. He would be doing a film. I'd go and visit his set and kind of take a look at things and see how he's doing things. And um, yeah, we always stayed in touch. And then last, uh, well, in uh, whenever it was, probably September of 2020, I think, he contacted me and very nonchalantly asked if I was like free and what I was doing. And obviously like, we're still in the pandemic, but that was like, really, that was really thick pandemic times. Yeah. 
And um, he asked me if I was available to work on a stupid buddy project, which was insane because <laughs> I had applied to stupid buddy years and years and years ago, um, having kind of a, a much lesser reel and just kind of like, you know, no, not a, not a penny to my name to move to California or anything like that. Right. Just uh, to see if they'd hire you, you know, you're like, <laughs> roll the dice. Right. I mean, if they hired me, then I'm sure my, my parents or someone or you would have you know, figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go rob a bank or something and, and, <laughs> and get there somehow. Get out of the country quick. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, there was a show ultra city Smiths that um, they were to be filming uh, the, the timeline of when they were going to be filming shifted a bit because I think it was a new studio they were building. And I think that there was a lot of, uh, you know, the kind of front end of getting a studio set up other than my little setup here, I can't imagine. And now, and especially after working there, like the scale of that place is insane. Oh, yeah. So understandably. So it took a little while to get in the doors and actually start working on the thing. But yeah, that was, I, I very luckily and serendipitously got hired on like the best stop motion production I think has ever been in Toronto probably. Totally. I feel like, well, you know, I was there too, but I feel like it was just a blessing yeah. for like anybody interested in stop motion in like Canada period. Um, so how have things changed since, uh, well, you were there for six months ish, I guess. About that. Yeah. yeah. How have things changed since, uh, productions wrapped up? Like, you know, it's been August, September, it's been like four months now, you know, yeah, it's been a moment. Um, I mean, I took a hearty break where, I just kind of, cause it was, it was, it was quite a production, as you know, like, I don't know how you were feeling by the end of it, but it was like, yeah. it was like I, need a, I need a vacation. <laughs> I need to sit down for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just kind of regrouped and obviously like the fires were stoked and they weren't going anywhere after that. So it was yeah. really time to say, okay, cool. Like as much fun as it is to work for someone else and especially like um, such a great company like that, um, you know, if, if you uh, aspire to make your own work, uh, you know, then, then you're really lit up and you really want to go. So then I just kind of went back to the drawing board. I had some old feature films that I had written that I started to look into like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to make a really tight, like 79 minute feature film. And so that's so, what you're doing now. Just barely a feature. No, that's not what I'm doing now. I, uh, now I'm, I'm working on, I'm developing a web series and building all these characters and everything to pop populate. Tell me more about this web series. Actually, before you do, tell me about spin dish, which you were creating during the pandemic. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, um, I, previous to getting all this great animation work, I was just always serving. I was just working as a server because, you know, the old trope it, uh, as an artist, it allowed me to have enough free time that I could develop my own work and, you know, serving in Toronto, I worked at a, a busy pub downtown and, um, so tips were good and there was just, it, they were always busy, um, and that allowed me to kind of support myself in order to do the stuff. And when the pandemic came and closed down all the restaurants and everything, you know, obviously like uh, there, that, that was gone, that was out the window. Um, but then as restaurants started to open up again, and I chose, I chose not to go back to the restaurant for all sorts of reasons. Um, uh, nothing, nothing bad. And that sounds like it's loaded, but like, just, just because I, 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 I you don't have to explain yourself. I can't, I don't want too many, I don't want too many gaps for people to read into too much, I guess. Oh, no. <laughs> but, 
but I well mainly, you know what I made the leap where I said, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to work as an animator. So yeah. come hell or high water, that's what I'm going to do. And um, as restaurants started to open back up again, um, I thought I had the idea that I could uh, find a niche and, which was doing advertising for medium to small businesses that may not necessarily have the budget to hire a higher end company to do, um, you know, animated advertising for them. Yeah. And stop motion is really, you know, my, my main bread and butter in terms of what I know how to do. So I tried to combine the two. So literally was going to people's restaurants and animating like their nacho chips, like flying around the plate and stuff like that. And then, you know, putting it up on Instagram and it was working. It started, it started to take off. Wait. Okay. So like you show up with a camera, some duct tape, laptop, a camera, a, laptop. a little tackle box with some putty and clay and stuff like that. And, and you're uh, like, whip, whip me up a dish. Yep. And I, yep. Uh, give me an hour. Yeah. I and usually, usually I'll do day. something interesting in stop motion. Yeah, I would I would approach all these places before, of course. I just kick in their door and say, like, all right, <laughs> hi. <laughs> all right, this is going on now. Bring me the chef. Yeah. I would consult with them and we'd talk about kind of what their what their signature dishes were. And I the, yeah, and the company was called Spin Dish. So, you know, I was like, bring your dishes to life, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. how many did you end up doing? I did like five or six. Wow. Yeah. And and that's because it took a while to develop it. It took a while for me to find the right price point that wouldn't scare people away because, but it would also kind of be worth doing. Um, yeah. Because you can't would, be like 25 bucks because that's like your Uber there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and also too, like restaurants were, were just coming back. So yeah, people, yeah, yeah. so I had to find something, a balance. So is this something that you think, are you going to pick up again? Or is it more of like a pet project? I think because it, it sounds it sounds really interesting to me to try to tap into the small to mid-sized yeah. business period who doesn't have a huge budget but wants to have interesting advertising. And yeah. since you are somebody who, you know, you have all the skills, you have all the, you know, you know all the different softwares, and your, you know, your overhead isn't crazy. You just bring in a camera and a cup uh, like your toolbox. You don't have to bring in all this professional equipment. You can keep prices small. Yeah, it's I feel like the business model is just about uh, trying to reach as many restaurants as possible at that Absolutely. point and just going and executing. Yeah, I mean, it has it has I mean, if you don't pick this up, this is what I'm doing the rest of the year now. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we'll, we'll show up at the same restaurant and be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, dueling nacho spin. Let's do it. Yeah, um, it has merit. Like, I, I, I like it. Um my shifting brain is on the web series right now, kind of, you know, uh, totally, totally. Cause I found, cause that was the thing. Like I always want to, um, I'm just always want to tell my little stories, I guess. And it's, it would be hard to do both unless I grew it and then was able right. to kind of oversee it and contract out animators to go and yeah. do it. You know? Like you, like you'll be like, Hey Terry, I got 10 restaurants on the list for you today. Yeah. Here you go. See you later. Give me 12%. <laughs> exactly. Right. In a perfect world. Maybe one day. So tell me about this web series. Like, you know, you're producing it out of your warehouse slash yeah. home yeah. slash kitchen and bathroom with holes in the ceiling. <laughs> I hope those holes are patched. 
they fixed it. They fixed it. Yeah. That we had to write a very uh, strongly worded email slash Texas call in the spring. Cause it was raining a lot and it started, it was like raining. Yeah. Like, what the heck? Hi, yeah, I'd like to ha- not have a hole in my roof for when it rains. It like bad. what the heck? Guys? I mean, you know me, Terry. I drilled. I, you remember I drilled through my. Yeah. You also, for those listening, who don't know. Bill just comes to the, where did you come to? Like the park hangout or whatever. With he had a little lunch. Yeah. A lunch with, uh, his finger, he had drilled completely through the fat part of his, what do you call this? The fat part of your finger? Whatever that is. Whatever, right under the bone. There was a hole all the way through. And he's just like, hey guys, I just did this. You know, I, I don't even need to put a bandaid on. I'm just going to air it out. Like, I'd be like, uh, get me to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> That's just because I'm Holes here. in your ceiling, holes in your hands. All right. So, but tell me, you know, what kind of setup do you need to produce? You're producing this like web series uh thing out of your apartment or apartment warehouse which i think is really cool what kind of setup do you even need for that i've got the the space it dominates a big part of what is my kitchen um uh i uh there's a a friend from the show who i'm working with and he's going to help develop the set i have a i have kind of a um a practice set that i built um kind of during lockdown uh that I thought was going to be the set. And then I worked on Ultra City and the production value on that show was just so insane that I couldn't look at that. I didn't oh, no. admit- You go home and you're like, no. you're like, sorry, I've cheated on you since and I require something better now. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want really well homemade to be the standard anymore, you know? So, and I, I went back and I, oh, I brought, I brought one of the puppets over here. Oh, yeah. show me. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness, what the heck? This alligator, he's not painted yet or anything. What is he made out of? Uh, so he, so kind of the head uh, always starts with cork. I always started doing things with cork. Wait, cork, cork as in like the cork wood? Uh, yeah, like cork at, literally out of a bottle. Well, a wine bottle. You just took a wine bottle and made that? Yeah, well, that's the foundation. Then I run wire through it. What? Uh, then I, uh, with some help with some friends, discovered um, a really nice slow drying epoxy. Hmm. like a putty epoxy you mix the two parts and then kind of over the course of three hours it becomes really oh wow hard. you don't have to bake it yeah oh yeah i, I know yeah. about what you're talking about now yeah, uh, yeah axiom i think it's called great material life-changing material um and then um liquid latex buildup. um and then you know the eyes aren't in there yet but there'll be uh replacement beads that i can yeah. manipulate um i'll paint him and yeah wire you know, wire body with, uh, with foam and like a specific type of wire that is like special or just like you go to the, like for me, I just go to the dollar store and I'm like, this'll do. I think it's 12 gauge wire. I usually go to like above ground or any, any art. Oh, okay. Store okay. And they'll have it. Um, or for those at, for those listening at home, um, I would advise, I sorry to support Amazon, but you can get it for like really cheap on Amazon. Yeah. It's just how it is these days. Um, and then I'm no seamstress. I don't, I don't make clothes or anything. Um, so I just ordered Barbie clothes off of eBay. Oh my goodness. That's so smart. What and the Cause I was also like super impressed by this outfit, but that's like a Ken doll outfit or something. It's like a Ken doll. I would just go on eBay and search like retro, retro Barbie clothes or whatever. And then usually these usually come from China and they ship for free and they're only like a couple, a couple dollars an outfit. Um, they take a couple months to get there. Okay. So you got to really plan. Yeah. I made this guy too. There's a what? Bunch. What is that? Guy? So this is uh, 
his arms are up right now. But, Can you uh, describe, you know what, I'm going to describe this. It's a humanoid tulip person yes. with, uh, instead of a head, they have a tulip and they have arms and attached to the arms are what looks like wings, but they're giant leaves. Yeah. And, and then if it, you're not it, watching this on YouTube, Bill just uh, pushed down some of the petals to reveal a face in the middle of the tulip. <laughs> so at this point, no one had people have no idea what the hell this web, web series could be about. It's got but, an alligator and a, and a anthropomorphic tulip. It's got an alien. It's got an elk lady. It's got a elk gorilla. Lady. It's got all these people. What did it's, you make those tulips out of? That there's like there's wire in them, but like that, is that uh, silicone or like? Yeah, well, that's just going to Dollarama and buying the cheap flowers they have there, and then that's just, a Dollarama flower. And then painting the flower with the latex. Oh. So it brings out the color a little more. And then I can paint it onto the wire so I can manipulate it a bit more. Um, oh, I'm interesting. Trying. Painting latex. Yeah. There's so much I need to learn still. What the heck? Wow. Well, I feel like, I mean, my style is just I go to Dollarama and just like, whatever's here I'm using because I'm not spending any more money than whatever I can find here. Latex? That sounds <laughs> toxic to me. I'm not going to touch that stuff. Oh, yeah let's do that <laughs> i mean and i'm the guy that drills holes in his finger so yeah you're like toxic thing isn't as much of a concern maybe i shouldn't take my stop motion and material <laughs> yeah, advice from you. <laughs> we're funny though not to divert too too much from the web series thing but um we're funny because we're we're opposites in a sense that you like working really small oh yeah i'm like the tinier that like my smallest puppet that i ever made was uh, like, I don't even know something to reference, like smaller than the tip of my pinky finger, like literally like this big. And so I cute. animated him jumping around and like, I like he's full face, arms, legs. I even made a little costume for him. I love it. Head. I love crazy. it. Yeah. yeah. And I, for a time was into, I had this crazy idea in my head that I was going to do everything full scale just because I hadn't seen it before. And I thought that if it's full scale, then I can, then I don't have to make furniture or anything. I can just film it walking around in my apartment and stuff, yeah. which, which I like the idea of that. still. there's an idea that I, I will do at some point. And I called it uh, Mr. Timestamp. And I was, uh, I pitched it to Nuit Blanche, but it, it wasn't accepted. Um, and the idea was to kind of build a full scale person and from dusk to dawn, have them sitting on like a park bench and you know it's like a it's like a business person or something and you know they're so they're opening their briefcase and they're taking out their phone and making a call or something like that and they're checking their watch or eating a sandwich or you know anything they could do and then actual people could come and kind of sit on the bench for a second so the illusion film it in a very you know high traffic area so it's like the world's moving really fast around this kind of guy type of thing and you're animating him over. i'm animating him. Okay, Nuit Blanche is stupid now because that's the best idea I've ever heard eh. from going to Nuit Blanche for years because that yeah. would be amazing. And then you could watch it later on and be like, whoa, there's me in one frame. And then here's the time lapse of... Uh, it would have been wow. fun to do for sure. But as I've learned in trying to go through the city to get permits is you can you can get a permit for just about anywhere. It's just like, if you can, you can just do it on your own. So you can just well, do, yeah, you can, there's nothing stopping you, but yeah. shame, on, shame on Nuit Blanche. <laughs> hey, it wasn't meant to be. Also, I love your idea of just animating a giant puppet. And I'm pretty, there was a project with, um, I can't remember this, this artist did it with like giant robot. They didn't look like humans, but they were like as, as large as people. He animated them in like this 
futuristic setting. But so cool. uh, I don't think I've seen anybody animate a human's a human sized human before yeah. that motion, which sounds really it almost sounds easy. You if if you like maybe not easy, if you can create the rig to hold up with all the weight, yeah, yeah, it might actually be easier to animate because it's just so large. It's all in the build for sure. It's always all in the build. Um, can you imagine the tie downs of making this thing walk? Oh my God. What a nightmare, right? Like I, uh, I, I did build a full scale person. Wait, what? You built a full scale person rig? Yeah, he wasn't good. He wasn't great. Like you've never seen him for a reason. I built this full guy and then I would just put him on my roof and like scare my neighbors and stuff like that with him. But he oh, was, wow. okay. he was, he was going to be this guy. And I built his, uh, his spine was like a giant, like floor desk lamp that I found. Ah, so it was really kind of reinforced. But then when you got into the arms and everything, yeah, uh, you know, I was using some couch cushion and stuff to kind of try and make it light. But it's you gotta. I, it's so heavy. Yeah, you. I feel like you need to. You, you're probably investing like thousands of dollars in just yeah. creating a rig. It would have taken a lot more trial and error for sure to make it a thing. Interesting. But now you have my wheels. My wheels turning. My gears turning. My my gears turning. Because I because like yeah. this. Just instantly, this sounds like such a cool idea that it should just happen, I feel like. And like, you know, like for you of all people, like I feel like you could make it happen. You know, you're this independent experimental, quote unquote, dude who like does super cool. Like even in, in your music video, you know, you have the, the hands come in and like separate through all the- All the, all the, the grass and everything. The yeah. grass and that's life size. And I was like, whoa. And then you go to like super small other stuff. So yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Speaking of the web series, like, you know, um, so your strategy is to just make it and then it exists and then you're going to try to sell it somewhere or put it somewhere. I mean, I think the idea is to, um, build an audience and, uh, and by that, I mean, I, the motivation to do this web series was born out of, spending maybe a year putting together and building all the elements of a short film, uh, completing it, and then just kind of like either recycling all the parts into the next film, yada, yada, yada. And, and that was great. But after doing that two or three or four or five or six or seven times, I was like, I kind of want to just build something to last. Yeah. And, kind of have more of an open-ended concept where I can just let this thing evolve and see what it will become and put it on TikTok, put it on Instagram. Um, you know, and I'm, I always question like how long certain things are going to stay in fashion. Like Instagram kind of seems like, you know, you see what's happening with Facebook, like, um, the metaverse is taking over. And that's going well, to do something. Cause I'm, I never go to Facebook. Like I feel oh, like, no, most people I know don't, they, yeah. they, uh, you know, and it's, and I don't even know that it's because all of our aunts are on Facebook, you know, <laughs> sharing memes and stuff. I think just things go in and out of fashion. Totally. Totally. I feel like Instagram had its day already. And now, you know, like TikTok is the thing and like, yeah. So and- you, what is maybe, maybe let me reiterate, I guess you're trying to create something, uh, lasting that you can then uh, adjust to whatever format is the most popular at the time so like you create the sets and puppets and then you're like i'm gonna make 20 tiktok videos or a youtube episode or like whatever and just make it you know jump in and do a little story in this world yeah and the idea behind it is it's uh, so it's called uh 
lounge sessions at the Canary Room. Okay. The Canary Room is the name of the place, and this place is a it's it's a bar lounge that's kind of like a fusion of like West Coast California chill with like you know Latin American kind of flair and festivity and. Uh, and then just the dankness of like a potentially kind of you know divey sort of bar and populate it with just anything and everything. So I'm building, you know, there's an alligator, there's a flower. The idea came to me, I was just laughing, thinking about a flamingo, like having a drink with like uh, with some guy and, but having like a very earnest conversation. And um, as flamingos do, as flamingos do, right? <laughs> yeah. And so do a lot of it live or real audio, go and get, snippets of conversations and it can be political it can be about you know the news of the day it can be about anything and then have wraparound stories that are that are written so like a creature comforts ardman fusion with right actually written scripts that is a great so are you thinking of going to get a snippet from the wild and then write something around it yeah so okay let me ask you this because you decided that you wanted things to look a little bit more professional so you hired somebody to help create sets yep uh does that span over into all production like are you going to hire writers are you going to hire voice actors like is this like a very professional uh thing i think it'll i think it will um it'll grow accordingly like um i think i'd like to let it just kind of be organic and see kind of where it goes because yeah the nuts and bolts of it, the base of it is it has to look good. And um, in terms of the writing, like I'm, I'm confident in my ability to write some, some short snippets of, of interesting stuff, whatever pops into my head, the real audio will support a lot of it. Um, there's a stage where I'll, I will probably start courting, you know, local bands and things like that. Dude. Animate their performances, you know, well, like, that sounds like everybody would want that. Who wouldn't that I thought so. You know, get stand local stand-up comedians to do a set. Yeah. Uh, and maybe what I'm going for is try and gear toward being kind of like a variety show slash community type of thing. It sounds like it, yeah. I don't it's, know. It's it's something I want to experiment with and see what I can totally. Do. I mean, I can see you, you know, starting something and just it organically turning into something else. And maybe it becomes like this Toronto, you know, piece of kind of in the moment slash history for what it is and it's like oh there's that band that's now like really famous animated in the canary room back in the day or like right like that that would be really cool so what kind of okay so um business terms i guess what kind of investment are you looking at up front like you have like cameras uh like lighting like is everything being produced just in your warehouse yeah yeah um my my let's say if it was a five-year plan, it would be that I would move out of here. I wouldn't live here and then would somehow be able to retain this place Yeah, and do the show out of here. Maybe then, maybe then do some spin dish stuff out of here or fish for some commercial stuff. I guess I'm talking about kind of low key building a small independent animation company, I guess. I love this. Um, just random question. Since your warehouse living space is just one by- big room. Yeah. How are you animating with the lighting or do you have like blackout curtains surrounded your surrounding your thing or are you I, just like hey uh girlfriend and me are just gonna live in the dark for the next eight hours as i do this yeah that's usually how it goes and i usually oh my goodness. Uh, i usually bide my time so that i i do it when i'm alone here yeah well you know 
crunch out an animation in five hours if I can. So it sounds like to me, like you have like, you know, you have this kind of like wealth of experience of doing different types of animation projects. So like you have the music videos, you have your spin dish, like you have this web series. So it like, you know, I think it'd be really cool if you just were like, had a, you know, an independent animation studio that just has all these different branches of cool stuff going on. Yeah. Obviously, you know, like that is a lot harder to accomplish because you have to think about like overhead and like hiring people and like all this stuff. Do you have a, um, I guess like a business plan to try to make that happen? Yeah, I'm like, I'm developing kind of the nuts and bolts of it. I, I'm always running before I take my first step. Yeah. Kind of thing, you know? It sounds like it. Cause okay. Another, uh, I don't know how to say this in a not nice way, but I don't mean anything to like, well, okay. So like Canary room, I love the idea. It sounds really cool, but it also sounds like, you know, it's an idea that may, uh, what happens if it's not a, a success, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, how do you measure success? Right? Like, well, that's I, what are you saying? Success is like, it, to me, it sounds like success is for you is just, just making something. I, I think success, uh, the, the type of success I'm, I'm looking for is, uh, engagement, I guess, you know, okay. and, and repeat engagement. Hmm. So that to me, even if, even if, 10 people keep tuning into it that tells me that i'm doing something right because i love that 10 people that and i love my friends and they're so supportive and they're so great but you know like you're like people, my friends, friends aside friends yeah. and family aside yeah random people, internet strangers i feel the same way i'm like yeah. i didn't make a success if if like my family and friends say it's cool i'm like whatever you guys don't matter but if a random internet stranger emails me and is like cool then i'm like i've made it exactly <laughs> exactly right like so, so does, yeah. that, does that mean that you are going to uh, evolve what the Canary Room is based on what gets engagement? Because I guess then it goes away from the stories you want to tell and the stories people want to hear, I guess, you know, like if you discover yeah. that certain types of jokes do well, then you might start only telling those certain, you know, like you evolve over time. And yeah, I uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um... I wouldn't cater it to like, if I, that sounds like bad, like sitcom notes from a terrible producer, you know, where they're like the baby that they like, they like the baby, do more of the baby. Add and a then baby. Like, then it's like <laughs> yeah. the VH1. Then every sitcom has a baby. And then when they have a baby, you're like, this is done. <laughs> more of the baby. And then like, it's all about the baby all of a sudden. And you're like, well, I don't want it. I don't even like the baby, you know, like yeah. I, and, but you know, I, I think that it's a measured thing where you have to, you have to balance kind of, you know, instinctually what speaks to you. And then if I'm, say I'm a comedian on stage, just telling like rancid jokes that no one's liking, like, and I'm, and I go through a year of that and it's just, nothing's catching on. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm misunderstood. It might just mean that I'm doing the wrong thing. So uh, it's, um, I guess the answer is, um, I just have to pay attention and be honest with myself, I guess, as it goes yeah. on, you know? Well, yeah. and that's, I think that's important. And it's also hard. Like I find it hard to do sometimes. Cause like internally, I'm so driven to make that thing I want to make. And I'm so stubborn that sometimes like, I don't even, I have a hard time getting feedback or like even yeah. evaluating halfway through. I'm wondering though, like, you know, uh, say you were to, um, say you're a ghost because you died. <laughs> Okay. And, uh, you know, you're floating through the graveyard and you stumble upon your gravestone 
Ooh. Uh, what do you wish it said based on the career you're trying to make? Like, what are you, what are you trying to put out of yourself into the world? And what is that thing you're trying to, to do? And looking at your gravestone, you know, you've done it. What does it say? I mean, like, you want to be entertaining. You want to be. You want to be funny. <laughs> Bill Allen <laughs> you know, said, funny and it's insightful. funny and entertaining. Like that, funny, that's, and, funny and insightful, maybe, you know, like funny and insightful. That's nice. That sounds really nice. I could, yeah. I could be a happy ghost with that. Maybe I would see that and then I would dematerialize and get to cross over finally. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. I don't know why I'm a ghost. I was m- murdered horribly or something. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm just saying like, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. I was trying to paint a scenario where it's like, what, it, what is that thing that you are striving to uh, accomplish with your craft? I mean, I, I would like, I, I don't ever like the idea of making something that um, people feel excluded from, you know, like, I'd like to make something not broad as in it's like lowest common denominator schlock, but I, I, I would certainly would like to make something that, um, that people can connect with on maybe more of a universal level instead of being divisive. Like when I say the characters may be waxing politics, like I don't mean to be excluding. I don't really dip my toe in the political pond too much in yeah. terms of content, you know? Um, is there I, something about animation specifically that you feel opens up the, or like, uh, gets rid of the exclusivity? In oh yeah. I mean, one of my favorite movies of all, the, of all time, Fritz the cat, um, you know, classically an X-rated, um, adult animated film from the seventies, um, allowed the author to be very political Ralph Bakshi because, um, and, and Robert Crumb, but because, um, through the vessel of a cartoon kitty, they were allowed to say all these, all these big statements on society at the time in the late sixties. Like, um, so yeah, I think animation can be, uh, you know, I can be bold and say that animation is the, is the highest achievement in visual arts. I can say that. I mean, I I agree. What else? Well, whatever. (laughs) I I feel like we're biased. Yeah, like, we're probably biased, right? If uh, Da Vinci or whatever was supposed to come on this podcast, they probably have a different. It would. Uh, I mean, I've had relatives say that my uncle saw a um, he saw Van Gogh in person. I think it was in Paris, and it and he said it brought him to tears. And I think that's amazing. And I don't discount that. I'm sure. Was never, it animated? It was on fan. Like Walt Disney made people cry with Snow White, right? He said yeah. it couldn't be done. Um, okay, so looking at your personal stuff, you know, you have very strong stylistic choices that are going on. You've, you're like engaging in tons of different medias. And then you also have the opportunity to work like on a professional. Everything is set for you. There's a very specific style studio yeah. show like Ultra City Smiths. Yeah. Has, has working in something where the, the style and design is very defined and... I feel like rigid is a strong word, but you you can't like, you know, you have to stay within the style guidelines. Has that changed your own personal animation now that you're exploring in, uh, this new project? I mean, um, especially working with Evan and Phil prior to that production, that was a bigger wake up call for me than even the production itself was. The production itself, I was just trying to do a good job and not get fired the whole time, basically. Uh, 
with Evan and Didn't Phil. Didn't get fired today. Yeah, <laughs> right? No, I won't. I won't. I have nothing, nothing bad to say about the production. It was an amazing experience. Um, and I hope that there's more, you know? So if, if another production came on, you'd, you'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to... Oh, in a second, in a second, in a second I, would put, yeah. I would put whatever I'm doing, unless I'm making vast amounts of money doing my own thing. You're would... like, listen, Canary Room is, <laughs> right? is yeah. uh, like, yep. you guys should be working for me now. <laughs> I mean, I might even put that on hold because it was such a great experience. Um, but when I, we did a, um, like a five week training boot camp thing prior to the production with Evan and Phil put it on via Stupid Buddy uh, to kind of just brush some of the animators up on on animating for television you know and just kind of what some of the mechanics of the dynamics of motion and everything that were were needed to execute a lot of that realistic animation they were going for because uh, for those that haven't seen it um i understand what you mean rigid sounds like it's a put down but but it wasn't like a zany show where the mechanics of physics didn't apply like yeah. characters had to rest and like you know people they were moving like real people yeah. and i'm in and, rigid in like a stylistic choice like you know oh, yeah defined in a space and you but yeah. exactly what you mean like yeah you know the puppets were moving very realistically and that yeah. was a that was an issue i had because my animation style is like super rubber hose exaggerated and like i remember the first couple of shots i was doing it to redo them because like i was putting way too much movement in i was yeah. doing big actions and the director was like no 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 like here's I here's mean, what it's like i had the i would have done the same thing i because i'm i'm like you i things are a bit more whimsical in my brain but i i had the fear of god going into the thing because i had had this boot camp where it was like don't make because in that boot camp i was trying to make guys jump over things and pivot on a dime and their whole body goes whoop, and they and they're flying back because i have a i have a cartoon brain i think um uh so in that like the rigid the the pain the growing pains of learning how to be more disciplined with like human movement yeah. definitely i benefited from having those five weeks of like of literal boot camp that uh you know it's not like i was in the in the in the navy or anything like that or the marine corps or anything but like in terms of animation it it was like that because i was going hard every day having to fight my own instincts to make things a little more silly than they were supposed to be totally know? so yeah. do you think you know having to learn a restrained animation style is something that you're going to incorporate into your own work even though your own work is you said you you liked things to be zany and lots of movement I think with the lounge in terms of um, in terms of selling some of the realistic dialogue, very similar to creature comfort. Like I think that it elevates the dialogue. If, yeah, probably. Yeah. If the characters are kind of interacting more like people kind of realistic people. Um, that said though, like anything goes, like if something feels right, then, then the style guide for this show is not, nothing set in stone at this point yeah yeah yeah, yeah. as long as it's consistent enough that that you know my my core audience to be isn't tuning into a little show every week and it's radically different every week like there has you know i'll just try and maintain that consistency at least but totally. no i like that i'm wondering like thinking about you know your overall career from the last seven or eight years of when you've been stop motion animating you know, you said that you reached out to tons of people, you're bidding, you're looking for grants, you're connecting with people and you're always making projects and selling. like what, like, it sounds like you're grinding 
a lot in a lot of different areas, but I'm wondering what is the, what is the number one thing that's contributed to your success and success defined as uh, you've been able to get and continue to uh, work on projects? Like one example would be like, you know, you have a refined style that people enjoy and look at and they're like, I want that. Or another one could just be like, um, you know, you find the right budget, the right place and the right time, et cetera. Like what is, what is maybe a skill you've developed or something here? I'm just like blabbering about, I'm asking you a million No, you're questions. helping me. You're, you're, you're helping me for sure. Yeah. Um, but like, what would you consider has made you successful throughout this last decade in this, in this career path? I think just consistency, like maybe, um, maybe, uh, you know, gratitude's obviously a thing, but that's aside from just uh, work ethic. Like I, I can pride myself on I, I, I am good at self-imposed deadlines. Um, wow, that's good. Yeah, I'm good at that. That's one of the things <clears throat> that is I can I set goals and I, I'm I'm pretty hard on myself. So if I don't think I'm working enough, like that's the word. Like for me my zen is knowing that i've worked enough nice uh, wow yeah if and i and i have a a, a terrible fear of, <laughs> of failure that is nipping at my heels all the time that what what would be failure to you um having having not uh uh applied myself you know so the the constant drive to uh, these self-imposed deadlines and to do your best and the fear of not having to do your best has propelled you to do your, do your best. <laughs> like, have you ever felt, have you ever looked back and said, oh man, I was misguided. I should have worked. Uh, you know, I slept in too much. I should have worked more or, you know, I just didn't try, try hard. I just like let things happen. Has that I'm, ever happened to you? Thankfully not in my animation years. Um, yeah. In my film years, maybe that there, there was a bit more complacency, I think in my film years. And I, cause I used to, I, before I started doing animation, I really wanted to be a filmmaker and I really wanted to make feature films. And it's not to say I don't still, but, but um, I think that maybe I was sitting on my hands a little bit more when I wasn't doing animation. There's something about animation for me. I think it's probably just the joy of the practice. Like, you know, yeah, I'm hard on myself and yeah, I like, I, I push myself all the time, but um, it's, it's the right kind of hard on myself. It's not like I'm showing up to a job that I, that I hate, you know, like when we were doing Ultra City, I had pinched myself every morning. I couldn't believe that I was doing this show. I couldn't believe that uh, I felt so spoiled because like, <laughs> oh my God, like so many people did so much work on that show to allow me to get to that moment where I got to animate the scene like the totally scene. yeah that's on it was i felt like that too because like you know working on your own productions where you're like you're doing the design the storyboarding the animatic you're yeah. making stuff you're like every and it takes months to just get to the point of animating and then animating is like it almost feels too fast and yeah. then to just jump on a production where there's a hundred people who have done all that stuff for you and you're just walk in and be like i'm gonna move these puppets now not worry about anything it's it's like a treat it's very strange oh my god and like you know i um you know we all we all kept breaking the puppets all the time and yeah. didn't have yeah. to worry about that either it's a puppet oh hospital god. you know how it is and then so and then you become but then you become like uh 
you become conditioned and you break a puppet that normally would put your show out of production for like, yeah. you know, your short film or whatever at a production is like, cool. I guess like we're down for a while until I fix this puppet. You break, you break your puppet on the show and then you're tapping your watch being like, where are these people? It's been, yeah, <laughs> come on. It's been 20 minutes. Like where's Megan dear, poor Megan <laughs> working her ass off. Cause we're all breaking the puppets and everyone's standing around being like, Oh my I know, God. I know. I know. I had to buy Eric a bunch of coffees. Cause I just felt so bad. <laughs> right? She's like, you're not the worst one, but also like, you know, they they talk about Terry on the walkie talkies, like, Oh, he's broken another, like right? or whatever. Megan dropped and a hand and the fingers broke off. <laughs> And Allie, I'll give a, I'll give a shout out to Allie. Yeah. Fixing um, all the mistakes. Take me back. Okay, so obviously, you know, you have tons of experience. You, you like, you know what you're doing. You've got the full setup. How did you, what did you start with? Like, you know, you're a film student and you're like, stop motion sounds cool. Yep. Tell me what you originally, how you started. Because I, I think that's very important for people who, you know, if somebody's listening and they yep. want to get into stop motion or even just try it out from different animation, like, where do you start? Because with 2D, you need software, you need blah, 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 drawing skills. Well, I think that um, uh, in the case of stop motion for me, I think what kept me from getting into it earlier was my own preconceived notion of what it was. And, and it seemed like it was too big. It seemed like it was like, oh, man, I have to build everything and I have to get this. I have to figure out that my camera and my lighting and I have to buy all this stuff. And it's just, it's too much. This sounds like, this sounds like it's just going to take over like everything. And, and maybe I still was kind of deciding like how much I was going to commit to doing animation and stuff and exactly what changed for me and, and what I would recommend for people that maybe want to get a feel for it and, you know, build up their own confidence with the fact that, you know, and literally anyone can, can do it people are really sweet all the time and they see a movie I did or something. They say, uh, Oh, I could never do that. And I say, of course you could do that. You just have, you just have to do it. Just start, start doing it. And for me, it's not around anymore, but I'm sure there's similar apps where I, I cut my teeth with the vine app. Do you remember vine? Yeah. You with vine of all yeah, things. It's, it's, it's weird. So vine used to be that you touch the screen every time it would, take rough roughly a frame or it would it would take video and if anyone doesn't know what what vine is out there it was a an app that was very popular it was tiktok before tiktok it was tiktok yeah 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 it was a seven seven seconds seven second looping video it was like the video's answers to twitter i guess yeah yeah that's exactly it yeah and you would touch the screen and it would record for the amount of time that you were touching the screen and i just started playing around with doing animation and I did that for like a year, a year and a half of setting up my camera with or my phone with my really kind of like rickety phone tripod. And so all the earlier vines that I have luckily saved on my computer. Um, oh, my gosh. I want to see them all. Yeah, I'll, I'll you should upload them to Instagram. I'll send you some. Yeah, oh, please. I, one's on my Vimeo. I did a series called Plate Faces where I was just doing different faces on plates, doing different things. <laughs> And I was, and you tap, you tap the screen and it takes a video and, and to record sound, I had to do the, the audio frame by frame too. So I'm in my apartment sending like crazy person going like, oh, eat, uh, oh, <laughs> like phonetically learning how to make noises and things like that. Too. Wait, so you were taking a frame of audio to say a phrase. So if you wanted to say like animation, you'd be like, eh, 
and it would sound like that i made this one where there was a plate and he was uh he was like an italian guy and he he was made of spaghetti and he sucked his own face up into his mouth and i think he said like mama mia there he goes mama mia and i had to go like ma and i'm doing it in a character voice too so i'd be like <laughs> ma so, so people can hear me I, there was a business underneath me and i'm upstairs going like ma <laughs> and does it sound okay yeah he says mama mia it worked <laughs> i can't believe it it's worked. i have to i have to listen to this right yeah. afterwards because this sounds crazy <laughs> to me stop like stop motion music or like voice acting <laughs> yeah 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 i'm a pioneer in the field oh my goodness that's that's crazy yeah. Uh, Bill, we've talked about, you know, your career, where things started, uh, you know, what you've worked on over the years, how things have changed for you recently. What's next? You know, is there anything that you wanted to that we missed that you think is important to chat about as we're kind of wrapping up? Oh, yeah. Um, golly. Um, I don't know. You know, you, you, you get me going and I can just <laughs> long winded just go on forever. Uh, I can't believe it's been. Hey, that's a good sign. It's been been over an hour hasn't it yes <laughs> no idea welcome to the animation industry podcast yeah yeah well you know um yeah you know i'm just uh, thankful that you invited me on uh oh, of course got to give some shout outs to some nice people and talked about some stuff uh i don't know like uh my advice to people would be to just just start doing it however you possibly can and I, um, I, you, you do this too. I would advise that people, um, if you can, if you have the resources or the space, try and build your own puppets too, because you, um, oh my gosh, yes. You form a relationship with those puppets and it's just a little more special when you're working with them. Well, Um, and it's, it also just helps you evolve in your animation and understanding what needs to be moved, how to move things, how to build things to move them. Like, yeah, yeah everything the puppets i was making when i was like in high school were just like i think this looks cool and then i go to animate it and it's awful and it doesn't work and now like i just have this uh you know this built-in intuition of what's what i need to like anyways a whole other topic (laughs) And and in the grueling phase of like building your puppet and everything and the long time that that takes to you know you're often thinking about what they're going to do and you can come up with a lot of ideas of oh yeah totally not have thought of before based on you know just sitting there just can you know can you be done can i can i animate this thing you know like so yeah i don't know just uh, and uh you know just uh don't be discouraged just love it good good advice yeah well Bill, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Terry. I, I appreciate it. It was great. Yeah, I'm really excited to see some Canary Room stuff when it comes out and also uh, some Mamma Mia plates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much. And uh, if you're listening and you want to get in touch with or follow Bill, you can do so by checking him out on Instagram under, under Badump underscore pictures. Yes. Is that how you say it? Badump? Badump. Badump. <laughs> Or you can email him at wallysan at gmail.com, W-A-L-L-Y-S-A-N at gmail.com. And that's all for now. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye.
The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work. <laughs>